Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is all about COVID-19 and dentistry with the wonderful Dr. Nicola Gore. I had hoped to bring you a more positive episode but I think this is the most appropriate one at this time. Um, We had hoped that the situation with COVID-19 would be slightly better, but unfortunately it continues to get worse and we are currently in a national lockdown. But I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope it is useful and helpful in terms of the information that we provide. Dr. Gore is a wonderful dentist and she's very knowledgeable when it comes to the current regulations with regards to COVID and dentistry. So I hope it gives you an insight into how COVID-19 has affected the dental profession and what you can expect um, from your dentist at this time. so excited to announce that this episode is very kindly sponsored by Enlighten. You may have seen me rave about them on my social media channels. I always get so many questions about teeth whitening, which brand I recommend and how I personally whiten my teeth and the answer to all those questions is Enlighten. What's really special about Enlighten is that they guarantee a B1 shade. For those of you that don't know, B1 is the brightest natural shade of teeth that we have and the greatest thing is that there are no dietary or lifestyle changes with Enlighten so you can continue to drink your coffee and still whiten your teeth, which was the big selling point for me personally. For more information about Enlighten, please check out my social media channels. And now without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Dr. Nicola, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Dr. Shadi. I'm very well. Thank you for asking me on your podcast. I feel very honored to be here. My pleasure. I know you know everything about COVID and dentistry. So when I thought of this episode, I couldn't think of anyone better. But before we go into that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you know, my name is Nicola Gore. Um, I qualified in 1993 from Guy's Hospital, uh, which is now called King's. <laughs> and um, I qualified um, with um, honours degree in BDS. Um, and thereafter, I did multiple house officer posts. And in uh, year 1998, I completed my MCLEAN Dent in fixed and removable prosthodontics. Uh, prior to that, I did a lot of traveling. I worked in Australia for one year. Um, I did a lot of dentistry in Australia, which was amazing. So I was earning at, at the same time I was working and getting experience in oral surgery. Um, in year 2000, I joined Boots and uh, they had specialist practices. Um, I worked in a, a practice, specialist practice in Watford. And they provided loads of, um, uh, you know, general dentistry as well as multidisciplinary practice. And that was uh, my inspiration to open my own dental practice. So uh, when I was, when I turned 30, I opened my first dental practice from squat. And um, um, I, I made it into a multidisciplinary dental practice. I had also foundation trainees uh, since 2002. And uh, after that, in 2009, I decided to open up another squad practice. 
uh, in Totridge, and uh, the rest is now history. Was there a specific point that you decided you want to go from just being a dentist to being a practice owner? Because this is something that I think all of us will consider at some point. And what was it for you? Did you know from the beginning yeah. or was it something that evolved? I think, um, you know, when you work in a really good dental practice, which um, you feel that you're really contributing towards um, making that business grow and you feel you, you play a big part of that practice, then you think to yourself, you know what, can I do this on my own? Do you think there's a possibility that I can do this on my own? And that is when you actually can take the first step. Um, it, being a practice owner is not easy. It's, um, you know, you need to dedicate a huge amount of time to it. Uh, you will need to have um, support, family support. You need to have um, an understanding partner if you have a partner, uh, because a lot of your time will go into running the dental business. Um, you need to have good staff as well, and uh, that will actually help to run your practice very efficiently. So if you're thinking of going into um, opening up a dental practice, then you need to think of everything laterally. Being a business owner is great, but then sometimes you think, do I have the facilities to be a good business owner? Or staying an associate or doing really good dentistry may mm -hmm. be a better option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's yeah. difficult. You have to do your clinical dentistry as well, which in itself is quite challenging and demanding. And yeah. it's constantly evolving. And then actually the business side of it is a full time job in itself. So it's quite difficult to try and do both at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very difficult. Uh, so you need to balance then if at, at one point you start having a family, you have children, um, you know, they have their needs, um, you have family issues going on then everything just piles up it can actually become quite stressful mm. so you really need to have um you know a good plan a good business plan and know that you know what you're going in you've done risk assessments for that you know mm. you're not going to sort of dig yourself a big hole and fall into it because not all dental practices are successful yeah you know? absolutely so, you know you need to actually look at the market um see where you're setting up the dental practice if you're setting up squat or if you are setting up as a um you know you're buying an existing dental practice then you need to um, have a look at all avenues yeah and for, for those people who don't know squat practice is literally where you buy the building and do everything yourself so you have zero patients and you build to work on that so it's it's very very challenging and as you said not all of them succeed a lot of them actually fail Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. so we we touched briefly on stress and, you know, the stresses with your personal life, professional life, and within professional life, there's the clinical dentistry and there's the business side of things. How do you personally deal with the stresses? Because I think when you have so much going on, and this is something I'm learning, the more stuff mm -hmm. I take on and the more commitments yeah. I take on, mm -hmm. um, that you can't really switch off, you know, like we're recording this podcast on a weekend and it, it's nice because this is a nice, um, you know, it's a casual thing, but it, it is kind of work and it's difficult to try and switch off. So how, how do you personally deal with the stress in managing your personal life and your professional life? Um, it's a really good question, Shadi. And, um, you know, I have been asked this question many times. Um, initially, when I was younger, maybe around your age, um, I just couldn't say no to stuff. Like everything which came my way, um, I wanted to accept and I wanted to do it. And, you know, I had the passion and I sort of split myself into 10 bits to be able to manage everything. Mm -hmm. 
now I prioritize and I decide what is my priority, what I really want to do. Um, you know, um, spending time on self-care is very important um, and giving yourself a time to close down and focus on maybe, you know, exercising, maybe spending some time with your family and also maybe reading, anything which is going to make, make you relax, going for a long walk. Uh, but planning is important, Shadi. You know, planning is important. So you need to say, right, when I get home, for instance, even 9 p.m., I switch off from mm. dentistry. I switch mm. off from what I have been doing and maybe direct myself to something else. A lot of people say, oh, don't exercise before bed because you can't sleep. But actually, I find exercising before bed really therapeutic. I really have a really good sleep. So I uh, sometimes end up going to the gym around 9.30 at night. There's mm -hmm. nobody there and I just yeah. exercise like crazy. I shower, come home and I have the best sleep ever because all the endorphins are running in my <laughs> head. So, uh, you know, you need to find what really makes you feel clear headed and clean and that will reduce your stress and anxiety. And yeah. also not taking up too much. You know, um, we all take up too much. Then we can't plan it. And um, I don't know about you, but since not having a diary, like a physical diary, it's mm -hmm. actually stressing me out, like putting everything on my phone and yeah. then not putting an alert on and then all the alerts all come together. So actually, I'm going to get a diary, a proper diary. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to start writing stuff in because I think once you write things down, you feel, OK, it's all written there. I feel good. You know, yeah. I'm in control. Even if you haven't Absolutely. done it, it's there, isn't it, Shadi? Yeah. Exactly. That's how I feel about to-do lists. And I actually, exactly like you said, I physically have to write things down. I, I was like this at university as well. So everyone uh -huh. would like be making notes on their laptop. I'm like a physically write it down kind of person. So I have all these like notebooks and it's really funny because every year of university I had a different Disney princess notebook and my oh, friends make fun of me for this yeah so first year was Ariel second year was Rapunzel what have you got for this year this year I've actually got a it's not a princess because I ran out of princesses so it's just a unicorn sparkly pink okay, glittery notebook cool. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. writing it down actually makes a big difference because you can tick it off and I think even if you haven't done those things the fact yeah. that you've written them down it, yeah. it kind of means that you know you're planning on doing them at least and I yeah. agree with you I think being present is a big thing because yeah. what, what I do what I'm guilty mm -hmm. of is that mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing I'm thinking of the next thing I should be doing and sometimes yeah. you know my brain kind of stops working all of a sudden because it's overloaded with overloaded. stuff I have to do yeah so I, I think it's really important to mentally uh, yeah. switch off and yeah. dedicate time to worrying you know if you have stuff to worry about just say it's okay I'll I'll worry about this tomorrow in my worry time and actually I've heard about this so many times and my brothers um, told me to do mm -hmm. this that you know yeah. if you if you think about I have a worry time per day so dedicate uh -huh. 10 minutes or 15 oh, minutes or whatever that's a good one. Yeah. yeah so think about it so whenever something comes to your mind that you're worried about yeah. you're stressed about just say yeah. I'll put the side for now and then yeah. tomorrow I'll have time to think about we'll it, stress about it. Then. yeah yeah and, uh, you know, one other thing is when I'm working, you know, I'm sure that you're the same and you've got long treatments and you're physically working, things come to my mind. Uh, like, oh, my God, this or that, or I forgot to make this appointment or that appointment. Yeah. So I tell my nurse to write it on my day list. So then um, as I'm working, I say, oh, can you write this down? Can you write this down? Can you write that down? And then all stuff I'm offloading. And yeah. that way my anxiety levels just drop down big time. Yeah. And making a big a list before you go to bed of things which are making you nervous. Like, 
I don't know, even little things like I forgot to buy broccoli, for instance, <laughs> you know, even silly things, just yeah. write it on your list and it's all offloaded. Then you'll have a really good sleep. Sleep is very important. Yeah. You know, we need to sleep well. We need to sleep early. I'm guilty. I don't sleep well. I don't, I, I mean, when I go to bed, I sleep, but I don't mm -hmm. sleep early. And I think sleeping early is really essential to recoup. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my life goals to go to bed early but I, I just don't I don't know why I physically cannot go to bed before midnight I just don't know why it's all the same and, yeah it's all the same and it's, it's not good it's not healthy yeah. So we touched briefly on how demanding and stressful dentistry is. And obviously it's gotten a lot more stressful since the whole pandemic started in yeah. coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, so could you, I know this is a very broad question, but yeah. I know you're the right person to answer this. Could you just <laughs> tell us how the coronavirus pandemic has affected our profession? So as you know, it's been a very challenging year. Um, since um, 2020 started, it's been very challenging. Uh, just for, not just for dentists, for normal people, for patients, you know, and um, we need to make it very easy for our patients to come to our practice. Our patients need to make sure that they are in safe hands and, you know, we are doing all the processes properly so that when they come, they feel secure. So um, part of the plan of getting back to work, the main thing for me was to update my website. Mm -hmm. And to add on my website that I am open and what safety measures are put in. So if you did go have time to go onto my website, you will see that I've put a patient journey in. It's a video which shows that, um, you know, what I expect my patients to do. So they come in with a mask and they wait for me to see them. They take their temperature. We put shoe covers on, hairnet if needed. And, um, you know, patients will watch this video before they come in. So they know what to expect. The other things uh, which I have put into practice in my surgery are things like um, a vac station to um, yeah, reduce the number of aerosols. Um, I'll put air purifiers in and we have airflow going, circulating through the surgeries. So like an external vent. So all this we've put down on our website. So when the patient clicks on our website to see if you're open or not, or to inquire about um, booking an appointment, they will actually see all these procedures there. And um, a lot of patients have given us feedback to say that how um, safe they feel when they come into our practice and how nice it is that we have, uh, you know, actually put the video on and put all these procedures in. Another uh, important thing, uh, Shadi, is that I think that every dentist has to do their own risk assessments in their practice because every dental practice is different. And we all need to know, you know, if, my, if your nurse is suited for wearing, um, um, you know, FFP3 mask, what type of mask? If they can't breathe in those masks, then maybe you want to invest in a respirator hood for them which I know you wear a respirator hood. I do indeed, yes. Get on with it. Yeah, yeah, so I actually really prefer the respirator hood to wearing an FFP3 mask. So mm -hmm. wearing an FFP3, the way I wear it, I wear the FFP3 mask and then I wear a surgical mask on top and then visor and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, I can't really breathe very well. I can't talk to my patients. My yeah. nurse doesn't hear me because I am very softly spoken. So my yeah. um, uh -huh. nurse doesn't hear me. My patients don't hear me. 
Um, mm. They can't lip read, obviously, because they they don't see my lips. And yeah. it's just mm. difficult. And it leaves, you know, a mark yeah. on your face. And my yeah. ears are like, you know, even after a few minutes mm. of wearing it, my ears are hurting, my face is hurting. Yes. So mm. a respirator, mm. although actually before going back to work, one of my friends suggested that I, I invest in, in a respirator hood. I said, yeah. no, I'm going to look silly. You know, we're going to look ridiculous. Patients are going to be scared of us. I'll just wear a mask. Yeah so much more comfortable than the mask Mm. and it's obviously very very safe you know you've got fresh filtered air coming in it's safer for patients it's safer for us they can see my whole face they can hear me often and I think it's much better the only thing I've had to get used to Mm. is just how big and bulky it is because I think the one Mm. I have is one of the good ones is that it's relatively Mm. you know discreet and it's not too bulky but um it's just you know like yeah they cover Absolutely. you half, half your torso and they yeah. can be quite bulky, those ones. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, exactly as you said, we have all these new gadgets like, you know, the uh, high volume suction, we have air purifiers, we have all this kind of stuff in yes. addition to the other stuff that we have. Mm. So the only thing I find really difficult is just maneuvering myself around the surgery because yeah. I, I would know. have the iTero scanner, I would have the back station, yeah. the air purifier, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And when yeah. I'm making when I'm taking an x-ray I kind of have to go mission impossible to get around your life and slim and you can no. maneuver around it <laughs> but it's I'm not used to having this thing behind me because I'm, I'm you know I'm much larger than I used to be so for example <laughs> if I have to take an OPG x-ray yeah. you know uh-huh. the way ours is set up it's in a room it's in the center of the room and I always used to set it up make the patient yeah. make sure the patient is ready and just mm. squeeze next to the patient and come uh-huh. out whereas now obviously I can't do that so can't it's very it. very difficult <laughs> yeah it's a bit difficult but it's much more comfortable than the masks so yeah I would I definitely agree. absolutely and also um, I think the patients like it, to be honest. Yeah, As you say, yeah. they can see your face. And not just that, um, they feel more secure when you um, when you wear a hood. So I, I think hoods are really good. Um, yeah. uh, to be honest, my, my nurse doesn't like a hood because she feels she gets sinusitis because it's a lot mm-hmm. of air going in. Mm-hmm. So she wears an FFP3, which has been fit tested. But most of the time, I can't hear her. <laughs> yeah, she's exactly. Saying. Yeah, and uh, but, and she leaves the whole mask on half a day, um, and the visor then mists up. So I think a hood is good. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell a hood, but <laughs> but I think you know, the I think it's concept I think- is good. Yeah, I think it's personal preference as well, because exactly like you said, you know, some of our nurses would prefer to wear the mask and some of them would prefer the hood. So I think it's personal preference. I personally really prefer the hood. And I was really scared about the pediatric patients coming in being scared. But actually, they they find it really interesting. They think you're going to space. Yeah, it's a good icebreaker. Yeah, exactly. It's a good icebreaker. And like you said, you know, with all these measures that we've done, patients actually feel really really safe because they know we're taking the effort and Mm -hmm. you know we always as as dental clinics Mm -hmm. and dental professionals we've always had universal infection control policy so we're used to dealing with infectious diseases bloodborne diseases we've always been really safe and really clean so the fact that we've done all this enhanced dpe you know it's we're a bit over the top with it but i think that's and compared to other countries you know like germany um, most of the Scandinavian countries, they don't work to the level that we are working uh, in terms of PPE and infection control. And our infection control procedures, as you quite rightly said, have always been good. You know, we've always fo- uh, followed HTMO 105. We've always uh, followed all the NHS guidelines and um, FGDP guidelines. So we've always been really on par with, with guidelines. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we've got CQC and all that. Uh, but, um, you know, moving on from masks, we also wear washable gowns. 
And yes. um, the, yeah. I find that really cost effective. I know it's laborious because we have to bring them home, wash them at 60 degrees. Um, some people have installed washing machines. Uh, yeah, in, that's what we've done. So we've invested in a, in a washing machine at the which practice, which is very amazing. good. It's yeah. amazing if you have space. Unfortunately, my practice is small and I don't have space. Mm-hmm. But if I did, I think it'd be a great idea. But we, you know, the nurse takes her lot home. I take mine, associates mm-hmm. take their own. Um, we have loads of plastic um, uh, um, gowns as well. However, I find with plastic, it's really difficult. And I find, you know, the noise and everything really irritates me. I sweat in it. So I prefer the washable gowns and the washable hats. Yeah. We wear that. And um, I feel clean. And, you know, you were asking me, you know, how do you see the future um, of, you know, of this dentistry? In all honesty, I have to say I like working like this. I feel safe. I feel I'm providing safe dentistry for my patients. Wearing a hood, I can see what I'm doing. To be honest, my standard of dentistry hasn't changed. Um, I, and I feel my patients feel very comfortable with me. And on top of that, you know, I, I don't take anything outside my surgery. So everything stays on the gown, folded up goes into the pillowcase which we take home and Mm -hmm. that's it I leave my surgery and my uniform is clean whereas before I I even thinking about it now why did you work with the same uniform for every patient do you know what I mean it feels like a bit daft why we did that I think we're just rethinking all of our life choices like even with the whole you know groceries that we bring home and we wipe and sanitize and disinfect I feel like we should have always been doing that because you know it's not like coronavirus is the only disease infectious disease that's ever existed there's loads of other stuff that exists so exactly loads of things sit on especially groceries my yeah. parents used to wash milk bottles and eggs and really? uh, yogurt. Yeah, they used to, and I used to laugh at them. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm worse than them. <laughs> everything gets washed. Uh, everything gets HOCL. You know, <laughs> just really OCD now. You know, if if yeah. you know, before lockdown, if the kids had one or two uh, friends at home when they left, I would take HOCL and spray all the sofas and cushions and spray them. <laughs> spray the dog (laughs) so so I think we all have changed all of us you know wiping stuff antibacterial you know and you know Jasmine was telling me actually this morning my daughter she said that mom you know there's a big problem with masks you know people the general public don't know how to use the mask properly and they're reusing them I mean as you know Shadi masks last 10 minutes you know, and then they lose that um, power to uh, prevent aerosols escaping. But people are reusing them, they're folding and putting in the pocket and wearing them upside down and, <laughs> you know, inside, inside out. out. <laughs> so, so, you know, that is, uh, it's, it's very tricky. And there's got to be some type of education on, on wearing masks and how long for, and masks should become more, uh, they become cheaper, I think, because at the moment, I think they're really expensive yeah. for general public to buy. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we as a as healthcare professionals, we're privileged in that we've always had to wear masks, we've always had to wear PPE and all, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of familiar with how they work and how they wear. But, you know, other people might not be. They don't know how masks work. Absolutely. They wear it upside down. I honestly see my patients coming in with masks that are inside out, upside out. Yeah. So it's it's just a bit difficult. And I think we have yeah. to, you know, we have to be a bit understanding because it's difficult for everybody now, you know. I think you should it's do just... a podcast on that and put it on BBC. How to do how to wear a mask. How to wear a mask. <laughs> 
mask because you know a lot of people don't know and then you get all the masks thrown on the floor mm. how many like on the road yes oh my god that's yeah and gloves do you see yeah you know, it's disgusting yeah, yeah and then we uh, you know accidental practice we have to pay for clinical waste collection but all yeah. the clinical waste seems to be all over uk the now. streets yeah <laughs> on yeah. the streets isn't absolutely. it absolutely Going back to the kind of treatments that we're providing at the moment, uh, can you just explain a little bit for people listening what aerosol generating procedures are and, you know, the protocols that we have? Because obviously we do have these enhanced PPE um, protocols in place, but we have different, slightly different uh, protocols when it comes to different treatments. So could you just tell us a little bit about those? So, um, so because we're in lockdown too now, um, so we have to be very, very careful. Um, and we have to have a lot of procedures in place. So um, we can provide aerosol generating work as we were doing before lockdown too, uh, but we have to make sure that we have enough air changes in our surgery and we have enough time between patients. So we, we, whereas before we would book patients back to back, now we have to allow um, a certain um, amount of time between each patient, which we call it fallow time. Now, follow time used to be 60 minutes. Um, we are reducing it now. And the way we're reducing it by doing various stuff in the surgery. So one key thing is to people are putting external vents in their surgery to be able to circulate the air. If you have windows, leave them open. That will reduce your follow time. And if you can get some back stations, which will pull the aerosols out and using high volume suction, they will all reduce the amount of time you need between patients. An important thing is what dentists tend to use. It's called rubber dam. Now, rubber dam is a, is, is a sheet, which dentists know, which covers one single tooth or two or three teeth which you're working on. Now, when you cover those teeth, then you've basically covered the throat area. So there is no chance of aerosols, a lot of aerosols coming out. So if you use rubber dam and you have good... Um, air vent and air circulation then you reduce your follow time considerably even to 10 minutes between mm -hmm. patients mm -hmm. so whereas i was having 60 minutes um, between patients now i've really reduced it quite a lot so i have between 10 to 20 minutes now between patients when i'm doing aerosol work and aerosol work by that for people who don't know i mean anything which involves the drill okay drill when we have water coming out of it so um, like doing a filling, doing a crown, doing root canal, um, uh, scale lamp polish using an ultrasonic machine. They all will, uh, they're called aerosol generating work. And uh, by that means that you can't really see patients back to back because it takes 10 minutes for aerosols, which are airborne, to drop to the floor. And, uh, and in that 10 minutes, if you have got loads of other external stuff going on, then you really reduce your um, fallow time quite considerably. And um, that is the reason that I have um, chair covers. Um, you know, I cover everything. Um, the gowns also get washed. You know, that's the reason patients get hair nets because they can, the aerosol can end up on their hair. So that, these are the reasons why we've thought about all the other issues. So when the patient actually leaves our surgery and goes out, they're not taking any aerosols with them because they're stripping the hair net off. Mm -hmm. We've got a big bib which covers the whole clothes 
and they will take that before family pain the pain. It just means that clinical waste is really a huge amount, but at least we are protecting the patient. And uh, also uh, we've reduced our fallow time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think yeah. aerosol generating procedures are a big thing because obviously, you know, the whatever the patient, if they have any contaminants, if they're infectious, you know, whether it's to do with yeah. like even a cold sore or yeah. coronavirus, exactly. the aerosol, so the patient's saliva will contain that uh, microorganism, whether it's a bacteria or a virus. Mm-hmm. And every time we use a drill or it will create aerosol, so essentially a shower of that contaminant in the air. So, which is why we don't want the next patient coming in straight away because they would be covered in that. So, but I think with the extra precautions that we've got in place, I think we are reducing it. We're lucky that we have, you know, big doors and windows in the surgery. So we always keep those open and I'm always freezing cold, but wearing the gown means that, you know, at least you have an extra layer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we're doing everything that we can and and fado time has reduced considerably because of that. So we are getting more efficient because I think in Initially, when this started, we were seeing what a fraction of the patients we were seeing yeah, before, obviously. Yeah. Um, so now we're and kind we of catching up. Procedures that you know we elective procedures that much. Yeah. Uh, we were doing mainly emergency patients, extra patients. You know, getting patients out of pain. Mm-hmm. And now, um, you know, if you have all these procedures in place, then you can do some elective work because you are not putting your patient, yourself, and your staff at danger. Uh, and that's the key thing. You know, you just want to make sure that you avoid putting anyone at danger and yeah, keeping absolutely. them. And, you know, also in the practices, people are keep maintaining social distancing, um, you know, work colleagues are maintaining social distancing. It's, not, it's gone those days where you all cram up in a in the kitchen and have yeah. dinner together or lunch I together. I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, they were really nice. Um, yeah. We'll go back to that. I'm sure we will. In a few but years. For now, in a few years. <laughs> for yeah. now, we need to reduce the R rate and we need to make sure that, you know, we've got social distancing, we keep ourselves, um, uh, you know, free of COVID so we can treat our patients. And you know, wear masks uh, in in the in the surgery as well. So yeah. I'm wearing masks all the time, whether I have a patient, I don't have a patient. Yeah. Surgical mask is kept on. Um, just so you know, as a dentist, I mean, as well yourself, Shadi, we have to be role models for the rest of the team, and um, and also for our own patients. So yeah, people look up to us. You know, we're in a type of profession where people look up to us, and they say, okay, you know, we need if they are doing this, we need to do this as well. Yeah, it's quite funny, actually, this thing that you mentioned. I always say whenever I take my respirator, I'm always either wearing a respirator or a mask. So as soon as I take the respirator off, I put the mask on, even if I'm yeah. just in my room doing my notes, I put the mask on. Yeah, it's quite yeah, funny. I know. I know. It's so funny that in the practice, when I'm working or just in the practice, I'm okay with wearing a mask. And I remember to wear it, but I don't know what it is. Whenever I go to a supermarket, I forget <laughs> to take my mask like the bags <laughs> i don't know what it is i get to the door and i think oh my god mask bags I yeah forgot. so do you know what you need to do this is a trick uh-huh. that i've started doing so you uh-huh. put a mask in every pocket of every jacket or uh-huh. every bag because uh-huh. now when i go out i forget i always forget but i reach into my pocket and there's always a mask there so well, yeah, try that next time yeah, yeah, no, i will <laughs> We briefly touched on this before, but what do you think the future of, you know, we're not doing the future of the whole world in regards to the pandemic, but what do you think the future of dentistry is now likely to look like after this pandemic? 
I think, um, to be honest with you, as far as um, uh, dentistry goes, um, I think people who are working in established dental practices and they have their own set of patients or associate dental or practice owners, um, we might go through a period where things are gonna slow down, where people need to um, feel safe with us. And also people watch news all the time and that scares them. So we, we have to make sure that they feel secure. Moving forward, um, I've got a feeling that things are gonna get better. Why? Because people um, are getting more used to actually avoiding you know, the socially distancing. They are careful, but they do see the need to go to a dentist. And now with Instagram, with you know the social media being so focused about health and self-care and you know looking after yourself, uh, I think people are even more and more motivated to look after themselves. So I personally don't think that COVID-19 is gonna have a bad influence on dentistry. The only thing I'm a bit, bit concerned is the younger generation of dentists coming through because they are not getting as much practice as we did in dental school. Why? Because they're limiting the number of procedures that they can do. Mm -hmm. And when they come out, they're not getting as much experience uh, because during foundation years, maybe there won't be enough patients to go to them or, you know, fallow time is too much. So there's being less patients. So, I, I, I've got a bit of concern about them, but I'm sure with time that will sort itself out as well. And hopefully when the vaccine comes out, everyone's been vaccinated, then people are going to feel even better about going to the dentist. So the future is bright, Shadi. The future is bright and we have to be positive. And I'm pretty certain that um, it's going to get better and better. Pandemics don't last more than a year, a year and a half. And normally it fizzles out. So I've got a feeling this is going to fizzle out by March, uh, April. We're going to get vaccines and, um, you know, we're all going to go back to normal life. But whether we would change the way we're working now with our PPE, that is a different question. And would I change the way I work now? No, I wouldn't. Even if the pandemic goes down, I really like the, the protection I'm giving my patients. Mm -hmm. And um, I would not actually change the way I'm working now. I like it and it doesn't bother me. So the future is bright. <laughs> future is bright. Let's be positive. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Gore. It was a very lovely and insightful chat. I know you're the perfect person for this. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear you speaking positively about the future, because I think we all need a bit of positivity at this time, yeah. especially when it comes to, you know, professions that are so high risk and yeah. so highly affected with, with mm -hmm. the pandemic. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, darling. And well done for doing all these podcasts. Honestly, I am so proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today i really hope you've enjoyed this episode and found it helpful there's been a lot of changes that we've introduced now because of the covid 19 pandemic and we will continue to introduce changes to keep up with uh, these changing regulations but please always do your own research when it comes to your own treatments and your own appointments and please always contact your own dentist if you have any queries
I would love to know what you thought of this episode. So please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. There will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.